It's the post-Thanksgiving edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast, one that celebrates Macy's Thanksgiving Day parades and lighting of Christmas trees in Rockefeller Center and lighting up of the New York Jets at the Meadowlands. <laughs> Good morning to you, star of the show, Adam Beasley. What an eventful week in the greater New York area, the beginning of the Christmas season and the end of the Adam Gase era. Oh, man. You know, I, I notice a little bit of um, of glee in your voice in saying that. Uh, no. What's what's that about? What? No, it, it, it was all it's all in good fun. Except for what was probably not very fun. <laughs> no. Well, Sunday was not fun for him. First of all, he basically his offense basically got shut down again by the Miami Dolphins defense. Dolphins limited the New York Jets to three points in two games this year. That's that's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do from a Dolphins perspective, and it's even harder to do from the Jets perspective. It really is. I mean, I, I don't under You know, well, I guess I do understand that the Jets have a lot of injuries, but it's not like... Uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, I think we're I think we're seeing the last five games of Sam Darnold in the Jets uniform. Uh, we're seeing the last five games of Sam Darnold in a Jets uniform. Adam Gase in Jets gear. Dow Loggins, uh, his arms folded, calling plays that he's not really calling. Um, all sorts of stuff that's going on there that you know. Thankfully, the Miami Dolphins are avoiding. What would you? What would have been of your uh, level of incredulity if you had gotten the answer that the New York media got on Sunday when they were pressing him about who was playing, calling plays, and he was insisting it was Dow Loggins who was essentially on the sideline eating a hot dog? You remember last year? Where was it? Last year or the year before? When Adam and I, it was. Adam's last year, I believe, which was 2018, I guess. They start to run together after a while. Terrible seasons run together for me after a while. Um, that he and I got into a little tiff during a press conference. You remember that? A back and forth, if you will. Yes, yeah, so a, a friendly, respectful back and forth where he said, I know nothing about <laughs> anything. Well, there would have been a replay of that if if he had done that here or I had been working for, you know, a New York outlet, which I would never do because I've de- decided declined various offers in New York during my career. <laughs> wow, that was a uh, that was a Greg Williams-esque humble brag there, Armando. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, it's uh, it's true. If it's true, it's not bragging. What can I tell you? Uh, sorry, New York Times. No. <laughs> so there was wow, that. I think we I think we need to explore this more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twice actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're glad we have you here. Oh, thank you, star of the show, Adam Beasley. So you're excited about uh, the victory over the Jets and the coming looming big game, big game against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes, huge. Uh, What's funny is this, is that we give them not basically no credit for winning by three scores against the Jets, and they're going to beat the Bengals this weekend. 
and we'll give them very little credit for that, which I think is, you know, it's the nature of sports. You beat no and 11 team, what will you do? But I think it's also a testament to, to how far this organization's come in 12 months because last year we celebrated any and all victories they had. Uh, and so they've at least gotten to the point of uh, credibility, of competency that uh, you expect them to bludgeon the team like the Jets. And you give them a quick thumbs up out the door, and then it's, hey, let's talk about the thing that went wrong. Yeah, I guess I see it a little differently. I mean, I remember last year people quite upset when they were winning <laughs> five, five of the last nine games. Remember that? That craziness? Yes. Uh, hey, hey, well, you know, uh, Joe Burrow out for the season. Justin Herbert yeah. not going to the playoffs. Tua Tagovailoa probably ended up the best of the three. You really want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> you really want to go there. You know, every every good volleyball team has the setter and the spiker. <laughs> but I, okay, <laughs> well, uh, so let's go there then. Of the three, Tua is the most successful if you look at wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Of the three, he is the least successful if so far if you look at production. I think it's completely fair. I, I think that uh, we, we talked to Chan Gailey today. And Chan's been – he's forgotten more about football than two of us will ever know combined. He's been in football for four decades. Uh, he's not going to say anything that damages the organization, that puts his head coach in a bad spot. But he definitely <laughs> he, he, he definitely didn't tamp down the conversation about how Fitzpatrick at this point is more, further along than Tunga Vailoa, even though Tunga Vailoa is the starter. That and it that struck me as very interesting, Adam, because um, it really swims upstream and goes against the tide of we're going with the guy who gives us the best chance to win, doesn't it? Of course that, it does. It 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 it's laughable at this point that they would say Tua gives us the best chance to win when Fitzpatrick is clearly the guy that runs the offense much more efficiently. You, but have they even said that is the question. I, I, I've asked Brian once. I think somebody else has asked him another time. And he always talks about how this is for the best, in the best interest of the franchise uh, to essentially develop Tua. He didn't say it in that many words, but we see him as a very talented guy who's only going to get better and better every week. Um, and this experience will be uh, priceless for him. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the, 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 that was the, the nature of, of the answer I got, which is all accurate. I mean, all that's 100 percent true. You you don't learn as you as you've written many times by watching, uh, but you also don't give yourself uh, the best chance to win when you're learning. So yeah, they they got away with it. They have gotten away with it so far, and they'll get away with it on Sunday because uh, Reed Sinnott could beat the Bengals, I believe. Uh, but after that. Uh, the, the training wheels are off for Tua because the last month of the season is wh- what will decide uh, where they go, and that last month is just brutal. You're uh, you you clearly had no more about Reed Sinnott than I do because I've not seen him throw one pass. I I don't have any clue what the guy looks like. No he's, idea. He's, he's, he's very he's very tall. 
and he wears 17, so it's strange. I, the first time I was out there, I was, whoa, whoa. I thought it was Tannehill. Obviously, it wasn't, but he is he has got that build. He's, he's much bigger than Tua is. He's much bigger than Pitts is. He's a, he's a big quarterback. I haven't seen him really throw more than warming up, and, and thankfully, they often didn't have to see him throw on Sunday as Fitzpatrick's backup. Uh, but I have seen him in, in person, and he is a large man. <laughs> okay, thank you. That's a that's a great that's a great evaluator's breakdown of a quarterback right there. He's Proto- large. Proto- prototypical <laughs> size, I think, would be the scout's way to put it. Very nice. How's the arm? We don't know, do we? No, we don't know that at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and by the way, we don't want to know. <laughs> How's that? Things would have to go drastically wrong for Reed Sinnott to see uh, see action. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen this week. I think, to be honest, uh, Fit, uh, Tua will be back. Uh, I've, I've heard that he's preparing as if he'll, he'll start on Sunday, that he's feeling better. They're optimistic that he's trending in the right direction. They won't know for sure, obviously, until they get him at practice this week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the odds are uh, that we'll see Tua back there this week. Which will be fascinating because we'll see. Uh, were his struggles against the Broncos a one-off? Were they because the Broncos have a really good, experienced defensive coach, and uh, they showed two of things that he's going to have to adapt to? Um, it's you know the, the the what he does well, he does really, really well. But w- but what his limitations are, we've kind of learned so far, and and football's about adjustments to see if he can get better at it. So let me just say this for the record, okay? I have been, uh, ever since he was drafted and he had become a Miami Dolphins, I have been on the Tua, play Tua bandwagon the entire time because um, I know for a fact, in fact, let me report it right now. I can't the, wait. The Miami Dolphins aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year, okay? That The Miami Herald has learned, Okay. Uh, uh, let's just say I'm very highly connected (laughs) with, with industry sources close to the industry. And so I've known this and I also know that the point of these first couple of seasons of the Brian Flores tenure is to prepare the team to actually at some point very soon in the future Go compete for championships. Therefore, play Tua. Play him all the time. Every chance you get, do not bench him if you can. And certainly don't bench him, you know, for Ryan Fitzpatrick because you think Ryan Fitzpatrick can get you somewhere. No, that's not the point of these seasons. The point of this season is play Tua. Play, 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 play Tua. Having said all that, right, um, the idea of the Dolphins are going to go, you know, (laughs) the Dolphins are going to walk the line and still try to win this year, you know, okay. But do that without Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback because – there's no there's no there there in my estimation. I know that Brian Flores's job is to win football games. Let me let me message to Brian Flores. 
your job, you were hired to win championships. Previous Dolphins coaches won football games. Not good enough. Not what not what ownership said was the reason for everything that's being done. The reason is championships. And you don't do that with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sorry. Uh, I got a quick uh, answer to that, and then we're going to take a break, and I'm going to have a great tease on the other side. But first, let me, let me, uh, let me answer real quick. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think the experience that Tua would get in uh, playing December football with high-stakes games against the best teams in the conference um, and then potentially a game or two in the playoffs would be hugely uh, beneficial to him. I will also say this. Um, I think you owe a little bit to the guys in the locker room that were there through the, 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 the awful, awful 2019 season uh, and have bought into flows. As you mentioned, we are our, our, our maniacal one, you know, one minded uh, approach every single week is to win that game and not care about anything else. Uh, they've bought into that. And you hear them parrot that every time we talk to them. It would be a huge, huge benefit reward to those players to get to the playoffs to win big-time games like in Las Vegas and, and all around Christmas weekend because that's going to be a big game. Um, and it'll, be, it'll also be a message to the rest of the league that, that this, is, this is a real franchise. This is a franchise to be reckoned with, that it's a franchise that's ascending, that's only going to build on what you've done this year in the years to come. I think all of that can be accomplished even if they, go, if, even if they make the playoffs uh, and lose, which they probably would pretty convincingly if they play like a Kansas City in round one. I think the benefits of certainly for Tua, but the franchise as a whole, uh, to have that experience and to be as kind of a, a reward from as far back as they were, you know, was it 14, 15 months ago when the season began in 2019, I think it'd be pretty valuable. That was a long-winded of saying, way of saying, let's take a quick break. And then I actually, Armando, on the other side of the break, I'm going to tell you in a strange, bizarre way how Brian Flores kind of hurt the Dolphins this year. Not in the way you, you might think. But we'll get to that in a second. One. And we are back. Armando, uh, here's the way in which I think the Dolphins have been victims of their own success. They've, they, I, I think they are maybe a year ahead of schedule of their rebuild. They thought 2021 would be when they're making a, a, a playoff push. They fast forward to that. It's 2020. They're seven and four. They're going to go to eight and four this weekend because the Bengals are terrible. Um, I think if the Dolphins weren't, at eight and four, seven and four, we wouldn't be talking about struggles of the rookie offensive linemen and is it right to play three guys in the offensive line? The answer would be, of course, play those guys, get the experience. Tua Tungavaloa versus Ryan Fitzpatrick would be an absurd conversation if they were four and seven instead of seven and four. So they've actually, by, by, by being as good as they are, as quick as they are, and they're, they're, they're an above average team. They're probably one of the best 14 teams in football, which would be a playoff team. But by getting to that point at, at, at this point in their rebuild, we're treating them like a real team now. We're not, there's no learning curve. There's no, we're not creating on a curve anymore. It's, uh, if the offensive line sticks, stinks, we're going to write the offensive line stinks and it's holding you back from winning more games. And uh, I don't know if they are prepared at this point in their rebuild to be at this point of the criticism they're going to get. Right. Um, well, speaking for myself, I started treating them as a real football team uh, the second that that New England game last January was over. Because, and I even wrote it in the newspaper. The, the grading on a curve and the 
tanking and uh, losing is winning. No, no more. Winning is winning. Success is good. Losing is bad. Defeat is bad. Uh, you know, failure is bad. Winning is winning. And let me say this. Um, I don't, I have always espoused grasshopper <laughs> to you that, um, you know, let's, let's let things play out. Fair? Have Fair. I said this before? Yeah. Let's let things play out. Let's see what happens. Right now, today, so far, how's that for caveats? Mm -hmm. The Dolphins seem to be ahead of schedule. We're not going to be saying that if they lose their final four games against, you know, four playoff contenders and they finish eight and eight. We're going to be saying, well, they're they're about where they're supposed to be. So let's see if they're ahead of schedule. Let's see. Because, I mean, I remember a month ago they had fixed the offensive line. I read those headlines. Remember those headlines? I do they, remember them. They fixed the offensive line. Now the offensive line doesn't look fixed anymore. So let's see. A month ago or two months ago, the defense is a mess. Now the defense leads the NFL in in scoring. And so let's see. Let's let's wait for it to play out before making these grand declarations about what the Miami Dolphins are and are not. I think that's how I'm going to play it. Um, I just call me very cautious if you must, but I'm going to be cautious. You, you, you think that we might see some of their flaws that have been hidden by special teams and defensive plays bubble up over the last month? Not next, not this week. <laughs> you see, that's the point. Not this week. The Miami Dolphins defense shut out the New York Jets. Well, that's good. Outstanding. But let's not lose sight. It's the New York Jets. Do that the following week against Kansas City, and I will be jumping up and down. Do that at Las Vegas or in the snow at Buffalo. Do that then, and, you know, now we got something. But let's see. Uh, uh, I mean, let's – perspective, I guess, is uh, – what do you think? You think that this is this is absolutely a, a juggernaut in the making here? No. I mean, look, I, I think 2021, the defense will obviously be in a place where they will be more than good enough to make a run. The offense is – seems like ever since I've been on the beat has been the lagger that you don't know, you know, what you're going to get from week to week that the quarterback play isn't at nearly high enough level. So look, if, if, if two over the last five games develops and we, and the, and the Broncos game was simply a, a speed bump on the, the super highway to success, uh, then we can talk about real things going forward. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's strange to me that, what are we now? This, there, are, there are 11 games. There's 27 games into the Brian Flores era. And the easiest way, the best way to get your rookie quarterback on track is to establish and develop a running game. And until they do that, this year, next year, the year after, 
I'm, I'm going to be skeptical because you're not – even next year, too, is going to be a young quarterback. You're not going to be able to expect him to carry an offense, even in a way that Fitz has uh, with very little running game just because Fitz and his experience and the skill the – play, the skill set of the players they have around him fit, I believe. But, no, I mean, yeah, if, if, if they continue to rebuild the offensive line, get a real stud number one running back, and they're able to run the ball next year, sure, I would say the rebuild is absolutely on schedule. Uh, but I, I do think you have to be encouraged each of the last two years now, and it's, you, you can disagree with me if you want, each of the last two years now, Brian Flores, at least through 11 games this year, has gotten more wins out of a team than you would think that roster would bring. Uh, last year, definitely. Mm-hmm. Last year, no doubt about it. Um, you know, back to perspective this year, we'll see. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I would say that the the victory over, you know, the, the Los Angeles Rams, that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the victory over San Francisco is looking better. The loss to Denver disappointed me. It was disappointing. And I didn't like that. And so we'll see. Uh, here, here's a question for you. And I know that since we're all Tua all the time. Last week, they had him as questionable on Friday. They downgraded him to doubtful on Saturday, correct? Correct. And then after the game, Brian Flores says that he was very close to playing in the game. How does that jibe? Explain this to me. Well, he went through warm-ups pregame. I don't know. I, we, he hasn't answered that question. But he did go through warm-ups pregame, and we saw him throwing in the tunnel on TV. They, I guess, wanted to hide him from reporters but didn't go far enough that the TV cameras couldn't capture them. So maybe they were going to say, hey, you know, we're not expecting you, but go out and see what you, how you feel Sunday morning, and, 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 and maybe you'll play. Uh, that's the only way that that makes sense to me because, you're right, he trended in the wrong direction. It went from Thursday – Oh, there's really little doubt in our mind that he's going to play. Friday, oh, well, you know, we think he's okay, but we're going to have to watch the film. And then Saturday, he's out. So, you know, the only thing that makes sense is that, you know, he started feeling better Sunday morning. He threw the ball, and they just thought, you know what, we'll wait one more week. And then there was the postgame, we'll see how it goes next week. Here, Here's my alternate theory. Oh, I want to hear this. Yeah. Brian Flores doesn't love telling the opponent who his starting quarterback's going to be. That's 100% true. Uh, I think that as we sit here today, my guess is that around 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon on a Wednesday, they will know who the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals is 100%. Well, uh, I, I think it'll be interesting if they make Tua available to us um, the starting quarterback's talk on Wednesday and what his answers will be. Now, granted, those could be coached answers to, to try to fool the Bengals. Uh, but if, if they hide him from us tomorrow, I think that's a red flag. I think if he doesn't talk at all tomorrow, I would be concerned that he's not going to play this week. Well, here's the thing. This is, and this fits perfectly into my narrative of Brian Flores doesn't love telling the other team anything. Uh, especially who his starting quarterback is going to be. Who talked last Wednesday? It was Tua. Did he play? 
he did not. But that was oh. day, that was the day he got banged up. So maybe they didn't have a true idea yet of the the, the nature of it. I'm just uh, yeah. <laughs> I just think that Brian Flores is a very guarded and and appropriately so, by the way, mm-hmm. very guarded coach that doesn't want to give the opposing team any any sort of hints about anything. I was watching the Vic Fangio press conferences the week before last, and he's telling reporters, this guy, they had a right tackle who was out. This guy's going to be my right tackle. This guy's probably not going to play. This guy is going to play. He's the backup. He's the guy. We're moving this guy over here. Everything. He was just, just everything. And granted, the Broncos still won the game, but... I think I I like if I'm a fan of the Miami Dolphins, I like the guarded uh coach approach a little bit more than I like the out in the open let me tell you everything approach. Uh and I think the more success that Brian Flores has, the less the less access he is going to give us to his thoughts on those matters. And rightfully so, no? I mean yeah. If he's yeah, if, if he feels like he's being rewarded with results for his process, why would he change his process? In fact, he would probably say, "Hey, the things that I think are contributing to it, I'm going to lean into those more." Uh, I I personally don't. I don't know if a game's ever been won or lost by telling us who the right guard's going to be. I think games are won and lost by who has the best scheme and who executes that scheme the best. But if a coach thinks that if there's a one percent chance that you know disclosing that information will hurt him, they're not going to do it, and I don't blame him for that. No, I don't blame them either. Of course, you know, our jobs is to find out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just because you don't tell us doesn't mean we're not going to write it. <laughs> yes, correct. So final thought this week, the I don't even dude, I don't even know who the who's the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals now. Is it uh, some guy named Driscoll or something? It's Brandon Allen. He got the start last week. OK, so final thoughts on the Dolphins versus the Cincinnati Bengals led by Brandon Allen. Uh, I Well, what I just learned about him is he is a he was a sixth round pick in 2016 and he went to Arkansas and he spent time on the Jaguars, Rams, Broncos and now Bengals rosters. So he's been around. You know what's amazing? Here's my final thought. OK, last week, the Miami Dolphins beat a guy, a coach and a coaching staff who are going to be fired, um, you know, at the end of the year or before that. And for the second week in a row, (laughs) I think they're going to beat a staff and a coach who is going to be fired at the end of the year or should be, because I just don't see it out of Zach Taylor and his coaching staff. I just don't. Sorry. And I didn't two years ago when the hire was made. And certainly his inability to build an offensive line to protect their most valuable asset, uh, who is Joe Burrow, he's out the year because they couldn't protect him. I think that will be what does him more in winning losses. All right. We appreciate you joining us this week on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. As always, star of the show, Adam Beasley. Amazing job by you. Thank you very much. Um, I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. We thank you. Join us again next week when we have the Dolphins beat the pants off the Bengals edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Mm-hmm.